Hello, everyone. Welcome to Preach the Word podcast. My name is Ashton McDonald, and I'm your host. Today's episode is a sermon that was shared by Pastor Shad McDonald on March 26th of 2023. The scripture reading comes from the book of John, chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. The sermon is titled, Never Again to Sin. If you would like to stay up to date with the most recent episodes of the podcast, please subscribe. You can also share this episode with friends or family by tapping the share button. And if you would like to contact us, you can do so by emailing preachthewordpodcast at gmail.com. I hope you enjoy the sermon today as Pastor McDonald preaches to us about never again to sin. Thank you for listening. Gospel of John chapter 8. Let's take up our reading there at verse 1. John 8 and verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple. And all the people came unto him and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground and They which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Those last three words will be our scripture text. Sin no more. And if the Lord will stand by me, I want to label that line, Never again to sin no more if you can remember your literature some of us have been out of high school for so long we probably can't remember that far back to literature but uh, in literature our teacher introduced us to a book that was written in 1850 by Nathaniel Hawthorne and the name of that book was The Scarlet Letter The Scarlet Letter was written uh, in the setting of 1642 to 1649. And it was a setting that was found in the Massachusetts Bay Colony 
in that puritanical era. And it was in that very severe religious setting that this story, The Scarlet Letter, took place. In 1850, when the book was written, it was even condemned by the church because it was very candid, it was very pointed, it was quite blatant, and in some instances quite graphical about the sin that this woman um, committed, Hester Prime. Um, the, the moral of the story is that, that sin causes guilt and remorse. In the story, if you remember, Hester Prime is with child, and she's to have a little one, and she will not tell who the father is. And in that severe religious puritanical setting, she is disgraced and looked down upon because she is with child and it's not known who the father is. And, and so because of her shame, she is made to wear an A upon all of her clothes. And that A signifies that she is an adulteress. She is an adulteress. And she has to wear that A on all of her clothes. However, by and by, uh, the sin is found out and the man that she was guilty of having this uh, wicked affair with, he finally confesses and it's a sad, sordid story because it shows us that you can't sin and escape the consequences. But come back here now. There's something about this, this story that, that I see is unfair and unjust. Where's that guy at? You can't commit adultery by yourself. Where's he at? Why didn't they bring him too? You know, and it, I look upon young ladies that find themselves in this un, unchaste uh, situation of where they have given their virginity to a young boy and, and then she is with child and they're not wedded and somehow or another for her to be with child, that is a reproach to that young girl. But where's that young guy at? Y'all gonna help me while I preach? And, and, and the story that Nathaniel Hawthorne writes in this severe religious society that Hester Prine lives, all of the reproach and all of the shame is upon her. And she has to wear that shameful A of adultery. And that is a severe sin. And that is an awful sin. And there's nothing that excuses sin. Can you say amen? And there's nothing that condones sin in the Bible. It is a reproach. And we know that we should not condone or minimize sin. However, I think sometimes we don't stop to take careful account of what brought things about. This woman was taken in adultery. She didn't do that by herself. Where is he at? And a lot of times there's a, there's a lot of severity and there's, I've heard some awful things said about marriages that, that uh, end in divorce. And um, you know who really suffers? 
There's the children, if there's children involved, that's, that's who suffers. You know, no child asked to be brought into this world. Did any of y'all get to pick your parents? Nah, I didn't have a thing to do with it. You didn't have that choice. But when there's, when there's divorce, and those things happen, it's the, the innocent that suffer. And I, I've been doing this a long time. I started pastoring in 1985. You do the math. And all the way back to my very first pastorate, there's been situations of where there was division in homes. And sometimes there's one or the other that has to carry the brunt of the offense. And I, as a pastor, sometimes wanted to stand up and say, wait, wait, wait one minute. Let's talk about what caused all of this. I remember when I was pastoring a long way from here in another place and another time, there was an awful, sinful, awful shame that was brought on uh, in a family. And everybody wanted to pack it all on the wife. Everybody wanted to put it all off on her. But the old pastor that stood behind the pulpit knew those years of pornography, knew those years of sexual abuse, knew those years of sin that that wife tried her best to cope with and deal with, you're not helping me while I preach. This woman is taken in adultery, but we don't know the situation that brought her to this. It's not to be excused, but nevertheless, they are extenuating circumstances that causes sin to be brought to fruition in our lives. Husband, you're not too bright. You're just not, you're not too sharp if you do not show your companion proper affection and attention. And dear lady, sorry for you. God love you. But you're just not really doing it right if you don't see the need to take care of your husband. If you don't see the need to be careful about the needs of your companion, I wish somebody would say amen. And, you know, we live in a day of worry, feeling like, well, bless God, you can just deal with it. No, here's what the devil will do. The devil will come in and say, there's somebody over there that will show you a little bit of attention. There's somebody over there that will talk to you. That's why you need to be careful about this, uh, this little idiot box right here. This thing right here will make a dummy out of you. This thing right here will make a dummy out of you. It'll make you look like an idiot. Because you can get on this thing right here and you can text and talk. And, and you can say things that you would never say face to face with someone. And you can get involved in a relationship and did you know that not all adultery is physical? Y'all want to shout a little while or take, take a break or what do you need? Some water? You want to take intermission? Is this too heavy for you? But you, you, you cannot carry on an illicit affair and there not be consequences. You cannot make someone else's companion your confidant. You do not share intimate things. You do not deal with secrets. And you do not show affection to someone outside of that wedded bond and outside of that marriage vow. For you to do that, you're just being a dummy, mister. 
And so here in this scene, there is a sin of adultery. And so on this lady's raiment and on her garment, we would inscribe a sinister A. But maybe it's not an A of adultery that is inscribed upon your life. Maybe it's anger. Maybe there's anger that is in your life. Deep-seated anger that is ingrained in your spirit. And because of what has happened in your life, it gives you a sense of an angst. You have a bias and a slant about you of where you, you take everything the wrong way and you're just a, a little bit too sensitive. Oh, I need the Lord to make me a preacher. And you're quick to take offense to things and all the joy and the peace of life has just ebbed out of your soul because you're just angry. But maybe it's, maybe it's not an A at all. Maybe it's a B. Maybe it's bitterness. And down the alphabet I could go and enumerate them one by one of some single sin that capitalizes your life. And when your name is mentioned, someone says, oh, I, I know, I know. I don't want that characteristic to be of my life. Do you? So come now and let's look to the story of the sin that tarnished her life. The sin that tarnished her life. How iniquitous the shame. Uh, there was a time when adultery was a shame. Now it's that extramarital affair. Now it's something that is just the norm. We have become desensitized, and because we have become desensitized, we've become demoralized. And the things that one time we would have never accepted is now accepted among us. And only fools make a mock of sin when we wink at things, when we become tolerant, when we become condoning and we become compromising and we don't name sin as sin, how iniquitous the shame. There was a time when we were clear cut. Things were black and white. Come on here now. I do have to agree with Mr. Richard Dawkins, and he is a pronounced atheist, avowed atheist, but Mr. Dawkins had the sagacity and the common sense to say, it's a matter of science, ladies and gentlemen. There can only be two genders, male and female. Remember when we had that much figured out? I mean, come on here now. Could not be non-gender, non-binary. No, it was male and female. And that's the way it was in the beginning. Can you say amen? amen? But now it seems like nothing is wrong. Nothing is shameful. Nothing is sin. How iniquitous the shame. How indelible the stain. It's something that marked her. It's something that because of what she'd done, she was known by the deed that she committed. Help me while I preach. If you lie, you are a... You got it. If you steal, you are a... 
Yeah. You see, by your deed, you're known. By your conduct, you're recognized. Oh, but friend, there's something beautiful about this story. And that is, they brought her to Jesus. <laughs> hey, man. Now, they brought her for the wrong reason. They brought her to try to trip up the master. They wanted to get him in a trap. They wanted to try to tangle his words and they wanted to try to make a mockery out of him. But the greatest thing that ever happened to this woman is they brought her to Jesus. And may I say, please, it matters not the shame. It matters not the stain. It matters not the reproach. It matters not the regret. It matters not the remorse. If they come to Jesus, amen, it's gonna be a better day. Amen, no matter how low in sin they may have sunk no matter how dastardly and dark the deed no matter how black the shame and the sin if I can get them to Jesus it's gonna be alright if I can get them to the Savior everything is gonna be alright come come please the sin that tarnished her life the sentence that threatened her life now she's before the judge, but she's before a righteous judge. <laughs> she's before the holy, righteous judge. And so her accusers, they say now, Moses' law. He knew what Moses' law said. He was the embodiment of the law. Amen. His finger wrote the law. <laughs> what God's law demanded. What does God's law demand? And the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. For the wages of sin is death sin has a payday for the wages of sin is death sin has a payday I got good news you can quit before payday for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life you don't have to work for sin's payday because the Savior has a gift. Hallelujah. Hey. Oh, I wish I was a preacher. What God's law demanded. Now the law, the law stated that uh, those that committed adultery were to be stoned. However, there's only one guilty party here. And the law stated that they were to both be brought before. They wanted to condemn her, but they wanted to keep someone else's sin hid. You're not going to help me while I preach. The most difficult thing I've ever tried to do is try to deal with someone that always wants to talk about 
the wrong of everyone else, and they don't want to deal with their own problem. I read Vance Havner, the old preacher from Greenville, South Carolina. He said they was a psychiatrist that had a patient come one day, and he said he had never been more surprised in all of his life when this patient came in to be analyzed by this psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist looked up bug-eyed in wonderment at a guy sitting in front of him, and he took his hat off. And he had a fried egg on top of his bald head and a strip of fried bacon hanging on each ear. And he said, I need to talk to you about my sister. She's having some psychological problems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's about the way I feel like sometimes talking to people. They, they want to point at everybody else's problem and they can't see the fried egg on top of their head. You going to help me while I preach? In order for this woman to be stoned, the man would have to be stoned. That's what God's law demanded. And that's what her guilty life deserved. <clears throat> you know the reason why we can't find restoration in the house of God anymore? Is because we can't find restitution. Go to your dictionary. Restitution is before restoration. I knew of a guy that did an awful thing. He did a terrible thing. He did an ungodly thing. It was shameful. And uh, I mean, it was terrible. And somebody jumped up and said, we're going to bring him back. We're going to bring him back. And all the while, I'm thinking, well, I ain't heard him say he was sorry yet. You going to help me while I preach? There has to be restitution before there can be restoration. And so Jesus said, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast. And the, the, original, the original rendering there is the stone. The stone. Which meant there was an execution stone. They wasn't merely throwing rocks. It was an execution stone. It was a big stone. It was such a big stone, it would crush someone's skull. If it landed upon their chest, it would break their ribs. It was a stone that killed. And Jesus said, if you're without sin, you cast the stone. But there was something that Jesus did that kind of just caused everybody to cringe and back up and by and by walk away. And that was he wrote on the ground. You didn't get it. Jesus knows the dirt that's on you. Before you begin to condemn and fault fine and criticize everybody else, you need to remember the man on the ground knows the dirt that's on you. You're not helping me while I preach. But I love what the scripture said in John 1 in verse number 17. For the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. <laughs> when I come with guilt, 
I met grace. <laughs> Let me hurry. The sin that tarnished her life, the sentence that threatened her life. But the beauty of this story is the Savior that transformed her life. For you see, the gospel and even this story is not about scribes. It's not about elders. It's not about vengeful men. It's not even about a sinful woman. It's about a wonderful Savior. Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. It's all about a wonderful Savior. In love, He pardoned her fully. In love, He pardoned her fully. He said, neither do I condemn you. It seems as if the noose has been taken off of her neck. She deserves to die. She was worthy of death. But Jesus came and gave her a full pardon. Can you say amen? And I am so glad that for all of lost humanity, Jesus is the middle man. Notice they brought this woman taken in adultery, found in the very act, and they put her in the midst. But while she is in the midst, Jesus stoops and he writes on the ground. Jesus on Golgotha, hang in the midst. He is the mediator. He is the intercessor. He's the go-between. He's the man that hung between heaven and earth when earth didn't want him and heaven couldn't receive him. The foot of that cross pointed to hell beneath. The top of that cross pointed to heaven above. The arms of that cross pointed to a world that was lost. You got it? Jesus came from heaven above to save the world from hell beneath. He is the middle man. He's the one that died for my sins and he gave me a full pardon. Can you say amen? Jesus gave me a full pardon. In love, he pardoned her fully. And then as Lord, he pointed her forward. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. There it is. Sin no more. Here's where I want to wind it down, bring you in close. For whatever is besetting, for whatever it is that you are regretting, for whatever it is that haunts you and pursues you, Jesus has a word for you. No more. No more. Francis Ridley Havergal wrote wonderful hymns and devotions. And Mrs. Havergal says that once in her Christian experience, she was often tormented. And it seemed as if her mind was plagued with a dark, ominous black cloud. And she could not escape it. Days of despondency and weeks and weeks of depression. And she said then one morning while in her prayers, she said the Lord took her to the book of Exodus that references Pharaoh in pursuit of the children of God. And the Lord said to Moses, the Egyptian's face, you will see no more. <laughs> and she said, just like that in a moment, 
it was gone. And she said, that thing that had tormented and haunted my mind, I never saw it again. Hallelujah. I'm preaching to someone. Jesus has a word for you tonight. No more. No more. No more am I going to be plagued by that. No more am I going to be haunted by that. Jesus gave this woman a future. He gave her hope. He pointed her forward. She turned her back on yesterday. And she looks to her tomorrow. And she says, tomorrow is a better day. Because I'm not going to live under that A of adultery. I'm not going to live under that A. Amen. Of apathy. I'm not going to live under that A of arrogance. I'm not going to live under that A of anger. But I got another A. Atoned. Hallelujah. Forgiven. Pardoned. It's all under the blood. And so it can be for you tonight. It can be atoned. It is under the blood. It is forgiven. Stand with me all over the house. Your heads are bowed. Father, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for the reading of your word. And for that one, Lord, that is haunted, tormented, and been taunted by hell. Something that they have dealt with in their past seems to plague their mind. Lord, would you breathe those words of hope into their heart? No more. No more. In our lives, when they are remisses and regrets, oftentimes we deal with our remorse, not only because of the fact that we know that we must have God's forgiveness, but we struggle and grapple with forgiving ourselves. God wants to give someone in this place tonight a clean slate. Make it fresh, clean, no more. Go and sin no more. Now, hear me young people, listen to me. True repentance is when you're sorry enough to never do it again. And until you truly repent, you'll do it again. But when you're truly repentant, that's when you say, Lord, by your grace, by your mercy, sin no more. Hallelujah. So, while your heart's tender right now and you've been softened by the Spirit of God, if there's something that you want to get under the blood, Jesus can say to you, no more. I want you to come fall on this altar right now.
Altar's open. Altar's open. God speaking to your heart. No more. Lord, tonight I'm going to get that took care of. Tonight, God, I'm going to get that under the blood. I'm going to settle the deal. Anyone else? God bless you. <coughs> You're worth waiting on, so I'm going to linger just a little more. You don't have to be tormented by that tomorrow. You don't have to be haunted by that another day. If you make that move right now and say, I'm going to go and get that took care of. Somebody else. Everybody good? Have you minded the Lord? One last call. Waiting on you. Don't miss your moment. Don't let it slip by. After the service, you think, well, I sure wish I'd have went and prayed. Well, then why don't you do it now? Come on. Do I have to? No, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to at all. But you gain a personal victory in your experience when you're just willing to say, I need that. That's me right there. I'm waiting on you. All right, God bless you. Let's pray. Pray with ease. Let's pray. Could you please come?